Maybe just listening to podcasts now instead of music has rotted my brain to the degree where I I only know what I'm listening to while I'm listening to it, and after I'm done, it's just fucking gone. Well, you could listen to the sum of human history in podcast form and be unable to separate any of that fucking information then, huh? I, man, a whole bunch of shit happened. <laughs> Don't know you should be listening to it. I heard once a bunch of stuff happened, and uh, the point is, of it all I is... I think um, there was a war once. And people died that didn't have to, and then some rich guys got richer. And sometimes they get mad at them and behead them, but maybe not as often as they should. And then they did a thing where maybe there was some accountability, but then... But then that was used as justification for more rich people bullshit. It's a fascinating tale, really. I hope there's a sequel. Yeah, so that's history in a nutshell. And now we're entering a new phase of history in which, uh, hey, Sam, quick question. What the fuck is value? I, I used to know. I used to think it was created by labor. Now, now I'm pretty sure it's created by, like, some guy doing pixel <laughs> art and selling it for millions as NFTs, <laughs> which... I, I guess th- that was labor. I don't think it was commensurate to... I don't know. I don't know. I don't fucking know. What is value? Dogecoin. I don't get it. I don't, I, I, I've i given up trying to fucking understand it because fucking the economy is a meme now. It's now a meme-based economy. Or at least part of it is. A significant enough part of it. A meme. A meme is funding my vacation this summer. I think every time an NFT sells for more than $3, I have this red flash, in which I cannot decode specific bits of audiovisual information, except for the flashing aftermath of a brick. Then I come back. And I think, I'm glad that we have finally, after years of pretending that gold mattered. It's not anger for me. It's not anger, necessarily, that I feel. It's it's like the world has finally, finally escaped my ability to comprehend it. That I'm just not smart enough anymore. Like, I was smart enough for a while. Or... Maybe I've just reached the limits of what I'm capable of understanding. I've learned enough about the world. More, I've learned as much about the world as I'm capable of learning and understanding. And everything beyond that is just, that's just going to be a fucking mystery to me forever. Because I need to be like this IQ high in order to get it. That's fair. I mean, you know my origin story. Mm Mm-hmm. And I can't join you there because I am beyond mankind now. Because my origin story in our wee high school years, in the middle of our fully justified bringing of democracy to Iraq, praise Satan, (laughs) when our president landed on an aircraft carrier (laughs) in an Air Force uniform or Navy. I don't give a fuck. I think he was in the Air Force, yeah. He, he landed in uniform on an aircraft carrier with a banner that said mission accomplished billowing behind him. And then 
I started. First, I cracked a grin, then a chuckle, then a laugh. And you see, Batman, that's how we got here today. That's why all this is happening, Batman. And you can still find all the bombs, but you're gonna have to use your noodle. Otherwise, the mission might not be accomplished. So yeah, that's what I think about the uh, uh, recent events. Lukewarm take right now, but I don't know why comedy exists after that. Like, we did it. We did comedy. Com- we finished it. We finished comedy oh, no, in that, that moment. That just opens the door to double comedy. I am so down for comedy right now. I'm preparing some comedy on this topic. Oh, it's like when you get to 100 in a skill in Skyrim, and then you turn it into a legendary skill, and then it goes back down to zero. Yeah, yeah and you can buy all the, like, skillies. You can buy all the... Skill benefits, yeah. So my point here, and I do have it, is that when I saw the first 10 minutes of Yasuke, the Black Samurai... Mm-hmm. And what is presented for a few seconds in the marketing as historical fiction, and then a And then mech- a fucking robot shows the fuck up. I barely blink, because my perception of reality has been so thoroughly shattered. Yeah, I mean, I'd had a clonopin earlier, so I probably <laughs> might have been more surprised had I not had a clonopin earlier. Uh, but I remember it feeling just a little bit par for the course, like... Okay, all right, so there's going, it's like that kind of show. All right, well, yeah, I get sign in because, you know, there's a whole lot of very stylistic blood. It never felt too amazingly gruesome whenever they got really into the blood and guts in this show. Like, I've seen some fucking blood and guts. This is like, you know. Oh, yeah, blood and guts. I was on TNT this week. I hear that Jericho actually fucking took a bump for once this time. He's usually really a safe worker. They really uh, went for it. They were willing to bleed, just as these men were willing to bleed for Japan. The fun thing about this show, and it's probably my fault for not tracking the whole situation as closely as I should have, Mm -hmm. is that they really hyped up the fact that this is partially based on a true story. Yeah, I kind of... Okay, so yeah, we're we're about Um, to get to what my main problem with it was. And on the whole, I thought it was pretty good. And they, they really hype up the aspect that it's partially based on the true story of this black guy that wound up in Japan mm-hmm. and became that kind of warrior. Mm-hmm. I wanted my historical fiction. Me too. And the word and the I thing, wanted it tonight. I know. And the thing is, like you know, they have their fucking schizotech whatever punk thing in the part of the show that takes place in not our present but the present of the show, mm-hmm. and that stuff's okay, but. Every time it drifts into his flashbacks and, like, the borderline historical fiction thing, my interest in the show dials way the hell up. And I... It was way more cool. I don't know. They give you this... All right, so the, the half the show takes place, you know, while he was serving Nobunaga. Half the t- And half the show takes place while he's, you know, 20 years later, while he's a ronin, kind of just trying to forget, you know, that life. And... That half of the show, you know, the 20 years later half of the show, feels like the plot of a dad simulator video game. A de- yeah, yeah. Like, your your Last of Us, your Witcher 3s, your Bioshock Infinites, uh, your God of Wars, your... There's a lot. There's at least two or three that I'm forgetting right now. There should be more of those where the kid really disappoints you. Like, they're just a complete fucking failure. They just fucking suck. 
Your child is unlocked. Oh, oh, yeah. Emmerich sucked. I mean, that wasn't really a dad simulator. She was just... You you, you managed to avoid drowning, and then she dies instantly as the second you managed to avoid drowning. <laughs> but yes, the, I don't the think, future part feels I like... I don't think Raiden was old enough to be a dad, so it didn't really feel like a dad simulator. The future oh, oh, is basically... Like solid four. The future is basically the intersection between, like, Samurai Shampoo a dad simulator and axe cop yeah yeah more or less and yasuke is a fascinating show to me in that sense because you know a lot of production of this thing is american a lot of the writing of this thing is american mm-hmm. star power the initial impetus of making the series lakeith stanfield lakeith stanfield flying lotus all that shit fucking love lakeith stanfield he does a great job in this and that has a fascinating i don't know if i can blame it on that it might just it might just be how it came out mm-hmm. and you know some things are tropier than others but Oh, this is extremely fucking tropey. Jesus Christ. But the way the show came out, this is normally an insult. This is more of a competent version of this classic insult. Mm-hmm. Yasuke came out like, if you described anime to someone <laughs> and gave them $300,000 and told them to make an anime. And I don't mean a stupid person. I just mean, if we took your dad... <laughs> <laughs> I said, look, these are things that are anime. <laughs> I need you to put them in a thing. Here's here's the basic design. Or here's the, here's the basic concept of what we're looking for here. Can you do it? And here's your crew. These guys are called Mappa. They've d- they've done some good shit lately. They're, they're fine. They'll they'll get the job fucking done for you. It'll look great. Then the show probably wouldn't get made if I understand your dad because he would be asking annoying questions for for like twice the production cycle. He just. He just asked them if they could adapt more of Black Lagoon for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one that I got him to really love. That's great. That's great. But there's not enough of Black Lagoon yet again to adapt. I mean, he's yeah. he's he's on it again, but That's cool. Yeah, I mean, there's a new arc getting started and everything, but there has only been one arc in between the one that got adapted into the OVA and the current one. And it was not even that long of an arc. It just took him fucking ten years to do it. Black Lagoon is an interesting intro anime choice. It's a smart one. But what's funny oh, it's an about amazingly it, smart one. What's funny about it is that it's very anime, but does not rely on any anime sort of assumptions or conventions to just watch the thing. Yeah, there's no... There's no dumb shit chestnuts where you're being given, you know, stupid little rewards for being a weeb. I hate when anime does that, and uh, it never fucking does that for Black Lagoon. It's very nice, it's very nice. But hold on, I'm getting back to Yasuke. Oh, now. yeah, yeah, go for it. Now, the thing that creates this effect, I think it's a few different things that make it feel like I described anime someone, I put it into the matter printer, and it came out as Yasuke. Mm-hmm. First off, the show does not believe in transitions. No. When I'm done of an episode, I understand what all the events led up to, mm-hmm. but they'll be walking, and then this woman's antagonistic, and then she's a werewolf, and then <laughs> the kid is magic. I said, hold up, hold the fuck It does want that sort of devil may cry crazy feeling, and yeah, it think... gets that too, but it has also has a side effect of just, it's not arranged in a way where it necessarily feels like, I mean, it is the intent, but it, it doesn't feel like it sometimes just feels like someone stroked out yeah it doesn't see the need to explain any of this and that's not necessarily the problem that i had with it nor was the issue that they were doing it 
in the first place. Mm-hmm. But I did wonder to what end. I think that's the thing. I think a lot of things in Yasuke are dropped in like, that's because cool. they're cool. That's cool, but to what end? To what end, yeah. And that's sort of how I feel to show that it's And in cool. all the flashback sections, I did understand to what end things were happening. And that's because what I... Because that, they were way more restrained. They were way more restrained, and there are just a lot more ideas kicking around than the entire Nobunaga section. I think I'm spoilers for you, Sam. Spoilers for the viewer. The Nobunaga thing comes... Back at the end, but not really. <laughs> I, I just wanted to see Tokugawa Iyasu. Does he show up at the end? Because he was supposed to be there the whole time. So was Hideyoshi. Eventually, Hideyoshi and uh, Tokugawa turned on one another, as I remember. But The guy who, in the first three episodes I did see... I saw the whole thing. Sam saw the first half. Yeah. The guy who disliked and macroaggressioned towards him. No, 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 different guy. Different guy, okay. Different guy. Uh, Toyotomi Hideyoshi was loyal uh, till the end uh, to Nobunaga. But yeah, as I was saying, there is a very... Before we stopped using mental health as a punchline, and critics used to call something schizophrenic when this kind of tone happened. <laughs> but there's a grab we'll bag... all over the place. All, All over the place. There is a grab bag of sort of funny... Like, there's a girl who walks around with a giant scythe, and she's the only one like... And there's this whole thing of robots that's almost a theme, except it's... Except it's not. not. But there are still robots. I mean, they're fine-looking robots. I like the mechanical design. It reminds me a lot... I have no, I have no idea what the studio did, but it reminds me a lot of the Batman Ninja movie. A bunch of... Uh, oh, that Batman Ninja movie. Yeah. Well, that's a great question. You want to look it up? Fair enough. Uh, loading sounds, loading sounds. Huh. Normally people do that joke in a higher vocal register. I guess I'm innovating. I'm an innovator. I guess just Warner Brothers Japan. They did. All right, Warner Brothers Japan. So, yeah. So, yeah, I like the look of the robots in this bit. And a funny thing that I have to give it I think I've been poking at this show's brain a bit. Mm-hmm. This is a really minor point. But you know what I liked? Yeah. In the morally ambiguous mercenary squad. Yeah. Their wacky robot. Mm-hmm. Not an HK-47 knockoff. Nope. No, it would have been so easy for him to have been that. But he's, you know, a relative. he seems relatively innocent. He seems relatively innocent. He He's just kind gimmick, of enthusiastic. He's just kind of enthusiastic and, I guess, sort of poorly coded. <laughs> He has a lot of bugs. It's it's amusing. Is he in fact a robot? I don't know. They never really go it. They never really get into it. Mm. Oh, he specifically stuff have he, he they he's a hundred percent robo. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's, it's not a it's not a pilot in their kind of situation or something. Right, just is robot. Gotcha. Yeah. Some robots are piloted in this setting though, which are. There are a lot of things that are just there. <laughs> make it like perfectly fucking consistent for you. Yeah. Now, the dad simulator half of this plot. I think if you're going to do this, if you're going to fucking do this, then you better fucking do it and not, like, kind of waste my time with a dad simulator plot. This had better be Devil May Cry Bayonetta levels of crazy from fucking start to finish. I don't need pathos here (laughs) because, like, any pathos that you try to create is really just going to feel like a lie next to the fucking robot werewolf scythe lady hitman squad. 
Yeah, if I oh, can... Oh, the dude with two punch ghosts. Don't forget about him. If I can imagine any of your characters posing to bury the light from Devil May Cry 5, <laughs> then you may not be in the land of pathos staring at this young child like, can we make it through this situation together? And I, I get how it happened because this happened at least within one media cycle standard deviation of Baby Yoda taking over the human consciousness. Mm. But I suppose while not actively irritating Grogu, she is not. I think another thing that just makes a dad similar thing weird is... <laughs> you find Grogu actively irritating. <laughs> I think another thing that makes the dad similar thing in this just feel off is that they go from like 0 to 30 to 100 with her superpower progression Jesus child thing. Sometimes I have to wonder if that is dictated by the episode order they got. True. This this whole thing um is essentially a mini series slash first season offering, depending on I guess the politics we'll of Hollywood. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, everyone's indeed. paying more attention to uh to Invincible right now. Invincible is getting a second season. That that seems like a foregone conclusion. As a longtime fan of those comics, very happy yeah, for fuck them. Yeah. I I do have to give it to Mr. Kirkman. Just way smarter. What if Superman bad? Scenario oh yeah, yeah. Invincible than just the the other ones. Well, okay, not Miracle Man, but that's fucking Miracle yeah, Man. Yeah, there's, there's Miracle Man, and I'm also going to point towards the, uh, towards the, ah! superhero trilogy that, uh, that, um, Warren Ellis wrote. Oh, sure, I didn't even think pure Superman of those, because he sort of spreads the archetypes around a bit, but... Well, I mean, like, yes, Black, Black Summer... Okay, yeah, Black Summer, What if yeah. Superman killed George Bush? In which case, I... You, you all can't see me doing a little Metal Gear Solid <laughs> salute <laughs> thing here. In the history of antagonists, we're, we're doing cape shit hell for a second here. Mm -hmm. Horus in Th Black Summer. That was his name? Okay. I believe that was his name. I could be getting it wrong, but I believe it was his name. I've done a lot of did nothing wrong <laughs> jokes on this podcast. Do you know how not wrong that would have... Oh, wait, no, hold on. We're getting... We're, we might be getting into the Secret Service pays us a visit here. Okay. Kind of territory. But I, uh... <laughs> I do not think that whatever moral ambiguity was supposed to be present in Black Summer was in fact present in Black Summer. <laughs> there we go. Bang. Without getting myself fucking vanned. fucking vanned. <laughs> but the whole Omni-Man situation is just such a fun spin on the entire Krypton mythos, which... Also, J.K. Simmons is so fucking perfectly cast perfectly cast jk simmons is very perfectly cast. I, I like steven ewan's uh turn of the main character mm -hmm. i like that he that he's still down for shit like this like the year he got nominated for best actor yeah 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 it's uh it shows i don't know just a sense of either sense of fun or just yeah a you, you do it because it's fun you know that's that's you do it because you like doing these things yeah that, that's why you get into it right it's nice and they turned into sort of a nice little representational turn yeah. But back to the other sort of micro-hit of the season here with our Yasuke review. Yasuke. Well, we'll see how much of a hit it is. It's only been out for a couple days now. That's true, that's true. Though it did get a sort of a big marketing push. I did see a lot of chatter about it. Uh, it's It's been a topic of uh, water cooler conversation at work. I'm worried that something's going to hurt it a bit. Is that I think just from the, the marketing, it sort of went with like this fascinating tale of history and... 
racial barrier is being shattered. That's people what I think, want. That's what I wanted. I know. I know. They didn't I mean, give it to me. People are coming to think, thinking of getting a way fucking smarter show. It's like it's good. Like, like for what they're doing, it's good. I like. I have to. I have to. Like, I should probably clarify that. You know, it is a pretty good. You know, fun show about silly magic bullshit, featuring. A historical character, you know, the black samurai who actually existed. But, you know, I, they didn't give me my fucking llamas. They didn't give me my fucking llamas. And, like, maybe that's not their problem, but the way that the show was advertised to me, it feels a little bit like their problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are beastless. The petting zoo is walled off. The llamas are dead. I want to put a disclaimer in front of this bucket show that says, Do not expect anything smarter than Helsing. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, this is the part of your brain you need to enter the Yasuke experience with. Which which isn't to say necessarily that it's stupid, in that Helsing is not what I would refer to as stupid. Yeah, it's not it's not stupid, it's just... It's just... It's more interested in being a sign-and-action show than it is in being a sign-and-drama. Very much so, yeah. And, like, as an action series, it does it does function choreography uh the animation it's all there something i want to point out just because i haven't seen the second half i just want to give this to the people is that uh the sword play sort of starts in earnest halfway through this thing and it's just very good when it's there yeah when it comes in it fuck. a a plus to the uh action coordinators do, doing work I also enjoy this show's uh, Ninja Ninja. There will be a non-zero number of comparisons to Afro Samurai. I mean, it it was on their mind. It was on their mind. Uh, I fucking love Afro Samurai. Ooh, maybe we I, should. Maybe that is the fucking lens that we should be reading this from. The they were clearly thinking about Afro Samurai when making this thing lens. I mean, the parallels are there. Afro Samurai had the credit of a major, you know black u.s actor at its helm and sort of pushing the project mm-hmm. you had well less the helm of afro samurai more just the casting but it was just like a hey look who we have here huh? yeah <laughs> buy-in it had that same sort of schizotech thing going on if there are cyborgs and androids kicking around though afro samurai i really like the stylization that afro had on those it also did not try as hard to tie itself into like actual historic events it's sort of you know it did not try like, yeah, at it's, all it's japan sure around a certain time and there's there's a there's a very much there very much is a just don't fucking worry about it that's not what the show is about sort of um sort of vibe to afro samurai which unfortunately that whole don't fucking worry about it thing they never really give you that in yasuke well i think uh, it wanted both in a way because it wants to do all this crazy frenetic stuff and a lot of it happens all of it does work and at the same time there are these long scenes about interactions between cultures yeah, and it wants to have its people. conversations and it also wants you not to fucking worry about it just like they're robots yeah fine whatever um as, i guess it's just not all harmonizing as much you can do both of those things i'm not saying that you can't do both of those things but you do need to put in the work necessary to make those two things work together for instance you know it's kind of just a script level issue for instance gundam mm. hate to fucking bring it up again but i'm a gundam stan 
Uh, hello, yes. everyone. Uh, welcome back to Gundam, Gundam Hell. Hell. It's a Gundam podcast. I should call it War as Hell. Let, let's talk about fucking, uh, let's talk about uh, African Child Soldiers Gundam. Uh, you know, Iron-Blooded Orphans, right? Yep. Sick fucking, you know, robots all over the goddamn place. I'd like to point out that it's a statement to this franchise. When you said African Child Soldiers Gundams, I thought you are going into a Gundam 00 Setsuna joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've, they've been taking apart the concept for the last decade and a half now. Mm-hmm. After, you know, spending... No, actually, actually, as as early as uh, as early as Zeta or even uh, Victory Gundam or even Zeta Gundam, they were thinking, eh, kind of fucked up that these guys, that these kids are so young and a robot killing people. Someone should do something. Anyway, um, you know, you have these cool fucking robot space battles with things that are literally called hyper bazooka launchers. Like that's a proper noun from the show, from Gundam. I own a model of one. <laughs> I know it, they're great. Um. And you also sort of use this as a means of thinking of saying, man, we fucking invented a hyper bazooka launcher before we figured out post scarcity. And it probably would have been as difficult to do the latter or no more difficult than coming up with a hyper bazooka launcher. (laughs) Would have, would have post scarcity guys. So, so that's, that is them sort of doing the work of marrying the, you know, fun out there concept that's cool and, you know, like doesn't, you know, can't actually exist. It's fine with, you know, having conversations about real world things that you want to have conversations about. Um, now, they do have those real world conversations in Yasuke. Also, uh, robot, scythe chick, werewolf, punch ghost, mercenary squad. <laughs> when it comes to mercenary squad, who are one of the most weirdly stapled gunned onto something things I've seen in a while. When it's, when it comes to those guys, I do want to put my seal of approval for those characters because I keep thinking it's dumb, but it makes me smile. And making people smile is one of the goals of entertainment. Sure, yeah. It's one of their goals. And it is two dumb Russian stereotype lady who turns into a bear. I think the technical term would be where bear the words bear wolf refuse to leave my <laughs> fucking brain so she is a bear wolf and i've decided that she's the best character in yasuke <laughs> the one thing that i want to end this on is that if you're gonna make your show didactic absolutely i'm into that i like i like didactic shit but you have to make everything didactic <laughs> It should feed into other things. Like, there's a whole recurring line of dialogue where a bad guy will say, like, there's no place for a servant in the Japanese hierarchy. And I kind of get what they're going for on a script level here. But A, it just sort of trickles in and out. Mm-hmm. And I don't really feel it in his interiority. Mm-hmm. And B, not all the time, but sometimes. I feel like it's filtered through the kind of racial baggage America would have rather than the kind of way that that sentence shit tends to crop up in Japan. I just think that had they spent all six episodes just detailing his service to Nobunaga, been great shit. I think that would have been great. I kind of... I'm on a borderline money-on-the-table thought when it comes to that. Because I enjoyed this. Mm -hmm. And I did enjoy this. Yeah. And I feel that I'm letting the things I enjoyed about this be taken for granted a bit in the discussion here. 
it's more interesting to think and talk about stuff that doesn't work. That is true. That and is the bread and butter of critics. That is that is our wretched existence in a nutshell. That is the You sit through pulsating. the good reviews so that you can get to the bad reviews. Yeah, yeah. First off, as we said before, a lot of the action choreography is just great. Picante. I think I just enjoyed the presence of the bear wolf a lot more just because it enabled them to do some other fun stuff. Uh, in terms of that DMC beating heart thing behind it, it also includes things like an evil mutant priest getting impaled by a giant metal cross. That was fun. I enjoyed that. I, I would accuse it of being too on the nose, but like, they kind of put their cards on the table. They they were like, look, we're not trying to be subtle about anything right now. It's like, look, next season, we'll release our anime adaptation of Anna Karenina. <laughs> For now. For now. Here well, is Evil Priest Man. Yeah. And he's about to get impaled by a fucking cross. Does this remind you of anything? Not us. It's... It almost seemed a shame that they killed that character off so early because you could have had this really fucking interesting, you know, this interesting tale about how, you know, Christianity was used as a tool of subjugation in colonialism, right? And how in Japan, that was like the one time that didn't work. <laughs> I wish that Netflix were something that a director or producer could consider a reliable long-term partner. And I guess, I don't know, I guess... Because then maybe they could feel free to linger with the idea of, we'll probably get a second run at this. I suppose if you read, you know, those three episodes, like, you know, him getting impaled by the cross is Christianity not really taking in Japan. In fact, you know, it, it didn't take so hard that, that, uh, that, Martin Scorsese made a movie about it, and it was a pretty fucking horrifying one. Uh, check it out. The Silence. It was great. Uh, but mm, mostly he just mostly just seemed like an evil priest who then got killed by a cross. He is, and maybe I'm being unfair, but he is not positioned as th that whole thing. That whole thing could have been just the arc of the show, and then it'd been great. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that stuff could have used way more time. As it stands, he is a heavy in, like, three scenes. I think it's supposed to have a lot of dramatic heft, but he's sort of in and out of the show before I know him beyond being a Castlevania priest cackling in the background while, I don't know, a baby burns and turns yeah, he's like into one of those little sketches from the Malleus Maleficarum with three heads and two assholes or something. Well, he he, uh, he comes off as, like, maybe the fourth boss in a Metroidvania game. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a tall vampire halfway through a Resident Evil game that half the internet cooms over while the real threat develops. Well, they're all fucking mad that she turns into a horrible monster. Like, what what fucking game did you think you were playing? Guys, we are nine entries into this. You can expect certain conventions to appear. If they will turn Captain Blonde McTrenchcoat into a whirling pile of tentacles and knives, everyone will become a whirling cloud of tentacles and God, knives. I fucking adore Albert Wesker so much as a fucking villain. 
I don't know what it is exactly about him that works so much. I listen to me. It's maybe it's how intense he is. How listen. like even at even when he's talking, he's at a fucking eleven. In characterization, richness of texture, literary merit, the philosopher from Notes in the Underground, the iconic spiral of Michael Corleone in The Godfather 1 and 2. Albert Chris Wesker. (laughs) (laughs) These are the three stars you must study in order to write perfect antagonistic figures. (laughs) The most perfect video on YouTube is still just that excerpt from that one Resident Evil movie. Where you wondered how much of Wesker did they bring to this silver screen. Mm-hmm. And you are delighted and horrified to see that they just went for it. <laughs> they just... He throws his sunglasses at someone. <laughs> Does it kill them? I don't remember. Probably. It's Wesker. <laughs> <laughs> did I ever tell you I beat that boss with a pair of stun batons of Josh? That's great. Yeah. I, I do remember beating him to death. <laughs> It was a. It was. I remember, fun like taking out like the fucking knife and just like having at the guy. Because <laughs> I feel like if you're going to make Chris Redfield that much of a fucking like just ball of coiled meat, then I'm not gonna shoot him to death. That'd be a waste. <laughs> I'm imagining Jotaro walking up to Dio. <laughs> it's Chris Redfield walking up to Wesker, muttering the words "partner." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe doing the Hajime no Ipo crouch with his fists <laughs> up. Man. The diffusion of dad simulation into media is. It's specifically action media. What's that? What is that, Sam? Well, it's like all, all, all those kids who watched action media are now adults and are dads. I mean, adults are always the people in charge of producing these projects. I don't know if that's... Well, why video games specifically? Because that's when video games kind of came up. Alright, so I guess it's just the idea that we're taking video games semi-seriously. Well, you know... The people who played video games when the medium when it was in its infancy are, you know, by and large parents now. Or are at the age where they can be parents now. And so video games are... Mm-hmm. There, There is a you know genre of video games now where, you know, they talk about parenthood in some form or another. Fun fact. If you put, after a certain age, I'm 29. If you put, doesn't want kids on your dating profile, that's taken as a suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> People have very singular goals. Yeah, I um, they get they get real fucking super fucking weird about it too. Mm-hmm. I got, I can tell you some fucking stories about coworkers who talk about it like it's their single fucking purpose in life. You know what my fucking single purpose in life is? Producing 
an artisanal podcast? No, I don't. I don't fucking know what it is, but I know it's not fucking having a child. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But uh, yeah, Yasuke's carrying a lot of that energy around secondhand. Though you didn't see it, her Jesus thing goes from one hundred to. Do we even need him in the second half of the thing? <laughs> and it's really amusing to me. Like, there are X-Men story arcs where you feel like people are just there to hold pom-poms for Jean Grey. <laughs> you can do it. And your friend Angel is here to help. He can fly. Poor motherfucker. Just everything yeah. he's in. Everything he's in. Every adaptation. Every storyline. It just... God, it just fucking sucks to be that dude. Yeah, yeah. It is better to just be a lot of civilians than him with his supposedly uh, supposed gift. He was like one of the first ones, too. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Anyway, Yasuke, overall, thumbs up. Oh, yeah, good. It's good, good action romp. Lots of style. It's good. I, they I threw a lot of money at this one. I think if you watch it, you will enjoy it. It's Mappa who can't stop, won't stop winning, I guess. Mm-mm. May their streak continue. May they May they be able to do a DVD remaster of uh, of Attack on Titan Season 4. They didn't have enough time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the win is the amount of money you get. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. This is Weeboo Hell. It's Weeboo Hell. Fuck 12. Fuck 12.